Tonight, I want to convince you that the Bible is one big story about missions from beginning to end. And I want to ask somebody, an eighth grader in the room or a seventh grader who's willing for me to embarrass you just a, just a smidget. Anybody up here in the front right here? Well, come on up. I want to ask you a question. Can you think of one verse that teaches us about going to the mission field? All right, time's up. Someone else. You got one? I want to hear the reference and the verse. You got that? Give it your best shot. Go make disciples of all nations. Perfect. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Perfect. Do you have another one? No, you don't. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Why in the world would you pack your bags and move somewhere across the country to go be a missionary off of one verse? Why? Why would you do it? Hold up. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm asking for you to think, not to answer the question. Here's the deal. Why would you sell everything you have, pack your bags, and go somewhere off of one verse? I mean, you're selling everything. You're packing up and going to rough it. Why would you do that for one verse? And here's the deal. I'm going to be honest. I doubt many people in this room can name more than two to three verses about missions. So why would I be able to convince you tonight to pack your bags and go be a missionary one day off of just one verse? I'm here to convince you that the entire Bible is one big mission story. Starting from Genesis chapter one, when Adam and Eve are in the garden, I'm gonna read this for us off the screen. Genesis chapter one, God tells Adam and Eve, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Everybody say it with me. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. We've already talked about this week one. God was in the business of filling the earth with his image bearers and his worshipers. He was gonna fill the earth with them. He was gonna fill people, fill people up that would reflect God's character and extend his kingdom all over the earth. That was the mission from Genesis chapter one, but we all know what happens by Genesis chapter three, Adam and Eve blew it. Y'all with me? Y'all know what I'm talking, all right? I'm not like, this isn't new information. They sinned, remember that moment? And what happened was sin hijacked God's plan. Sin messed up and broke the relationship between Adam and Eve and the Lord. But, in the middle of all that, the Lord was still faithful to call them to the mission. Hey, it's good to see you again. It's good to see the mission. Let's go to Genesis chapter three right here. Do we have this with us? Genesis nine, we'll go to nine. After the world had been created, after the world had been built, people were starting to spread out on the world. The world was corrupt and wicked. Y'all read about this in Noah. Remember that, the rebels on the land? God basically hits the restart button. Let's run it back again. Let's do it again. And what he does, he recruits one man who was not rebellious. His name was Noah. Y'all know about Noah, right? He built the big boat, put his family on it, and all the Memphis Zoo. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all know the story, okay? So he puts them on the boat. The rains come. 
The whole world was destroyed except for what was preserved on the boat. And when Noah is getting off of the boat, he's back on dry land. God gives him the command that we see. That's the same exact command from Genesis chapter one. He says to Noah, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, what? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Y'all are not saying it with me. Guys, I'm, be, I'm getting louder, all right? And I need y'all's help. Say it with me. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Bingo. This wasn't just a Genesis 1 command. This is a command for all of creation. Noah was given the same mission to fill the earth with people that would reflect God's character, that would bear his image, and that would worship the Lord and walk with him every day. The question is, do they do it better this time? No, these cats were clowning with God's commands, okay? And what happens is, instead of filling the earth, the people congregate together and they start building this tower called the Tower of Babel. Y'all heard about that before? Y'all with me? A couple cowboy hats. Give me one of these right here. Okay, I'm with y'all. Okay. The Tower of Babel. And what happens is they start building all these stones and building it up. Can I read y'all the story real quick? Can I tell you what it says? Let's go to the verse real quick. Now the whole earth had one language. Everybody say one language. Bingo. And the same words. And as the people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and that word there for mortar. And then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. What they're saying is, let's just build our own little city here. Let's keep doing our thing. We ain't trying to fill up the earth. Let's just do our own thing right here. What they're doing is, is rebelling against God's commands. So what happens is the Lord, he ain't flooding the earth again. He's gonna take care of business himself. So he comes down to the earth and this is what it says next. Verse seven, I believe we're in. God said, come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city. And this is what happened. God took all of this group, this congregating group of all of the humans that time, and he disperses them some over here and some over here and some over here and some over here and he confuses all of their languages, so now they cannot speak the same language. I want y'all, I need y'all to get this. This moment right here at the Tower of Babel, Genesis 11, is when the nations were created. The nations were created. Different people groups, different languages were created at Genesis 11. And you would think, not right now, you would think Okay, Lord, you kind of just made it a little more difficult for you. I mean, it's like you had the puzzle kind of put together and then you shook it all up in the box and said, let's try again, right? How are you going to get this thing done? How are you going to accomplish filling the earth with image bearers if all these people are rebellious and now they're rebellious all over the world? How are you going to fix this, Lord? Well, this is where it gets good. Genesis 1 through 11 is like the introduction and now we're about to hit the plot. This is where it gets juicy. 
This is my favorite. I love Genesis because this spot right here, God comes to a man named Abram. God comes to a man named Abram and God tells Abram, he says, I want you to leave your hometown, your country, your family and your friends and your kin. I want you to leave them and follow me to a land that I'm gonna show you. And he says, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, so that you might be a blessing to all nations. Y'all with me? He says, out of the whole crowd of all the earth, he picks up one man and says to Abram, says, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna give you so many children. I'm gonna raise you up as a nation. I'm gonna pour out blessings from heaven on you, Abraham. And guess what? I'm gonna send you out and through you, all these other, look around, look around the room. All these other people are gonna be blessed through you. And he says, you don't know where you're going but I'm asking you to leave all this stuff right here and come follow me. You gonna do it? You in? You promise? I mean, this isn't like take backs. is isn't like you're gonna try to run an Airbnb style and then go back home. No, this is legit. You all in. Abraham, you in? Baller. The Lord took Abraham and they started on the journey together. Abraham followed the Lord, but the command to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth wasn't just for Abraham. It was true for them also for his family as well. So Abraham... And Sarah had a son and his name was? Bravo! Give yourself one clap on three. One, two, three. Bam, you're good. Isaac was born. And listen, listen to what God told Isaac. It's on the screen right here. Genesis chapter 24, I believe. Is it Genesis 24? 26. God said to Isaac, Abraham's son, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heavens and I will give to your offspring all these lands and in your offspring, all of the what? In your offspring, all of the what? Of the earth shall be blessed. So then Isaac and his lovely wife, Rebecca. (laughs) I just can't. I just want to say his lovely wife, Rebecca. Okay, sorry about that. They had a son, and his name was Jacob. I know, I'm going to be late on time. I'm sorry, more. I'm going to be late tonight. Abraham, his grandson's name was Jacob. And God told Jacob, like he told Isaac right here. Let's go to the next one right here. Verse 20, or chapter 28. Your offspring, God said to Jacob, your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you, Jacob, and your offspring shall all the, what? Okay, y'all are slacking with me, all right? In you and your offspring shall all the of the earth be blessed. Guys, I'm not trying to bore you with just reading a bunch. I'm genuinely not. I'm not trying to be that guy tonight. I just need y'all to see it. I get so pumped about this stuff. Because what God promised in Genesis 1, this man is doing, God is doing it. Every couple chapters, you see him fulfilling his promise that he made to Abraham in Genesis 12. He gave him Isaac, and then Isaac had Jacob. And the question is, does the mission change? No, it does not change. Genesis 30, what's it, 33, 36? 
Let me pull it up on the screen. 35. And God said to Jacob, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. Listen, the command didn't change. Genesis 35, we're 35 chapters in. We're 35 chapters deep into Genesis and God is still saying, I want you to fill the earth with my image bearers who will reflect my character, who will extend my kingdom, who will worship me and walk with me for all of their days. And through you, I'm gonna raise you up and you're gonna be blessed by me. But the reason I'm blessing you is so that through you, everyone else will be blessed. The question is, does God fill the earth with his people? Does he multiply them? Yes, in Exodus chapter one, we see that the people of Israel have grown exceedingly great, but the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong. God fulfilled his part with Israel. Now the question is, how is he gonna use them to be a blessing to the nations? If you wanna... If you're taking notes, write this down. Write down Psalm 67. Psalm 67. Go read Psalm 67 tonight before you go to bed and check out how many times it says the nations, the peoples, the languages all over the earth. If you want to, you can see the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We always think it's a real cool story. We love that story. But you know what that story is about? Where's my iPad? There it is over here. The story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Incredible story. But I'm gonna be honest, it's not about being a young guy and living for the Lord in one place. It's about the Lord showing off his glory to the nations and seeing people's hearts change towards it. Listen to what happens after Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego survived the fiery furnace. Daniel 3.29, this is King Nebuchadnezzar. I make a decree, any people or nation or language that speaks against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn from limb to limb and their houses laid to ruins. This guy really ain't figured it out exactly yet, but this is what he says. For there is no other God who is able to rescue people in this way. When Daniel's in the lion's den and he's saved, it's not about sharing pizza with lions from the VeggieTales movie. It's not about that. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. It's about God taking the good news of his glory to the nations. It says in Daniel 6, when King Darius says, I make a decree that in all my rural dominion, people are to tremble in fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to, its, it be to the end. 1 Kings 4.34, when God blesses Solomon with wisdom, he says to him, and the people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. I could tell you about, I, I, I'm running out of time, so I gotta keep rolling, but here's, there's just so much. When Jonah goes to Nineveh, it's all about seeing a pagan nation come to follow God. There's so many stories in the Old Testament about God taking his people to the nations to allow them to get to experience the opportunity to repent and follow God. 
And it doesn't stop in the Old Testament. It's true. Jesus, too, he goes to the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. He goes to the Gentiles in Mark chapter 5 and 7. And he even, when he's in the temple, this man goes loco. Man, he takes a whip. Jesus takes a whip and starts flipping tables. You know the story? He's flipping tables and he's all this stuff. Why? Because that location in the temple was where the Gentiles would go to worship. The Gentiles, the people who are not Israelites would go into the temple to worship. And Jesus said, after flipping all the tables, he says, my house is a house of prayer. Now, right now, thank you very much. I'll come back to it, okay? At the end of the night, my house will be a house of prayer for all the nations. Look at this right here, right here. I'll show it to you. Is it not written that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? Jesus was in the business of making it accessible for all nations to be able to worship freely and rightly before the Lord. Guys, Jesus was about ministering and taking the good news of the gospel to the nations. Paul took the gospel all over. And he writes to us all the time about ways that we can keep ministering and taking the gospel nations. Jesus says in Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you and behold, I'm with you always. Acts 1 verse eight, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus commissioned and called. Let me ask you this, are you a follower of Jesus? Well, he told his followers, you are to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth sharing the gospel. He said, you've been commissioned to go and make disciples of all nations. He called you. Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, how can they call, oh, sorry, is it, how can they call? How can they, I'm sorry, I want to get it wrong. Do we have it on the screen, Mark? Or Romans chapter 10, 14 and 15? How then can they call on him in whom they have not believed? Meaning how can somebody who doesn't know about God, how can they call on God to save them for salvation if they've never heard of him? Does that make sense? So how can they call on someone they have not believed? How can they believe in someone they've never heard? And how can they hear without someone bringing the good news of the gospel to them? And this is what it says. Paul says, how beautiful are the feet of those who take the good news of the gospel. And he's not over here giving compliments about people's feet, okay? What he's saying is, how blessed is that person, Fernando, wherever he was at in the room, Fernando, who packs his bags for the summer and goes all the way to Lima, Peru to share the good news of the gospel. How blessed is that person? How incredible is that? Students, I just want to show you, listen, right here, I'm almost done. I'm about to wrap up. I'm about to be through. I'm, I'm just trying to convince you. This whole idea about missions isn't just one little verse you tag on at the end of your, you know, sermon at the end. This is what it's all about, guys. God has called us to live on mission. From beginning to end, God was in the business of raising up his followers 
to go to the nations, to take the good news of the gospel to the nations, to share with them about who Jesus is and why he loves them, why he died on the cross for them. I remember, and some of y'all have heard me talk about this before. I'm not trying to bore you, but I'm just laying it out there. I remember going to a lady's house in the Philippines, knocking on her door, ayo, my own buntag, and she let us in. She was a very poor single lady. She gave us a little coconut and a little bit of snack that she had. It was not good, but it was the best that she had. And we spent our morning sharing the good news of the gospel with her. And we said, man, this is what Jesus has done for you. And Ati, by three days after sharing with her, she gets saved. It was awesome. And what happened was this. A couple of days later, we get on our motorcycles and we're about to leave and go to the next village. And we stop by her house and she tells us this. She hands us a chicken that we named Beans for the Summer. She hands the chicken as a gift, the best thing she had. She says, if you would have never have come and knocked on my door, I would have never have heard about the truth of Jesus Christ. If you never would have knocked on my door, I would have never have known the truth about Jesus Christ. Guys, how many people are in your school, on your sports team, or in your neighborhood that every day you pass them in the hallway, on the sports team, in your neighborhood, that will never have the opportunity to hear someone clearly tell them that Jesus died on the cross for your sins because he loves you. No one will sit eyeball to eyeball right in front of them and tell them, Jesus loves you. What if they never have that chance again, but God has placed you in their life right now to share the good news of the gospel with them? What if instead of your senior year, when you're graduating high school, instead of going to beach week or a camp to serve with us over the summer at middle school camp, instead of doing that, what if you decided to go for a month to a foreign country to live on mission, sharing the gospel with people that may never hear the gospel if you didn't go? What if you live like that? What if instead of working your whole life to become an engineer or uh, an accountant like I was pursuing in my college degree, whatever it is, instead of working your whole life for this career, what if you started saying, Lord, I'm gonna start praying today about maybe spending the rest of my life as a missionary somewhere out in a different country or a different city or a different nation living for you because there's people all around the world that have never heard about the good news of the gospel. What if you thought like that? You know how it begins? It begins right now. Because you're going to look back one day and you're going to see your Joplin, Missouri. That moment where the Lord started changing the way you see the world around you and you start to live and love the Lord in a different way. Where you say the world's not all about Corey anymore. It's about the Lord. And it's about taking his good news to the nations. How can you start doing that right now in middle school? I want to show you. There are four ways. Number one, you can begin praying. 
You can begin praying. You start thinking, Lord, I don't know where you want me to go yet, but right now I'm gonna start praying for how I can start going to the mission field soon. I wanna start praying for the people in my school. I wanna start praying for the people in my neighborhood. That's how you begin. Step number one is start by praying for opportunities. Number two, go. You have the opportunity to go on trips. We do Mission Memphis every year, but I'm gonna tell you right now, if you wanna go on a mission trip, there are so many opportunities here at Bellevue for you to do that. Trey just went on one, Camden went on one. Anyone else been on a mission trip this past year? You did in the back? You did as well? That's awesome. You are not too young to go. If you wanna go, there are so many opportunities to go on a mission trip. If you're worried about money, there are opportunities for you to be fundraised, for you to get scholarship, for people to help you out, to donate, for you to get to go on a mission trip. If you wanna go, there are opportunities. The third thing is this, send. Ben Heinemeyer over here on this side over here may tell me, Corey, I can't go on a mission trip this spring break, but I do know of one of our high school students who are going, I wanna give them money to send them because I wanna be a part of what God is doing over there. I wanna give money to that. Maybe one of you guys get birthday money for a birthday coming up soon and you get $50 cash and you say, well, this year I'm gonna give $10 of that to a mission trip coming up soon. Get involved in sending people and praying for people as they're going on their trip. And the last one is this, and this last one I'll give you is welcoming missionaries or missions, nations, I'm sorry. Welcoming the nations. I am way over time. I'm so sorry to everyone involved. The last thing I got for you is this. When I was in college, I went out to a spot that was honestly just a grass field. It was a baseball field that we made our own little soccer goals for. I went out there in college, started hanging out with different people from all over the world. They were from Saudi Arabia. They were from Africa. They were from South America. They were from Central America, all over. And I can name my friends, Muhammad, I can name my friend Abdullah, I can name my friend Saad, I can name my friend Abu, I can name my friend uh, Carlos, I can name off all my friends that were part of it. And I remember going to the soccer field and we would play soccer every day. And eventually I built relationships with my friends. And you know what they told me? They said most people that are from different nations that come to the United States of America, 80% of them never step foot in an American's home. Never. 80% of them. And so what I committed to do whenever I was in college, I was gonna invite them to my Thanksgiving and I invited them all to my Thanksgiving. They showed up, nine of them did. Some of them from, were from Japan, all over. They never had a Thanksgiving like that in America. They showed up and I remember specifically, I've already said this before, my sister, we were at her house for Thanksgiving, real country bumpkin place. I remember I walk in the bedroom and I see Muhammad and Abdullah on their praying mats who are both Islamic, praying the call to prayer to Allah, who, which is uh, the Muslim faith. And my brother-in-law thought to himself, what is happening in my bedroom right now? He was flabbergasted, okay? That Thanksgiving was one of the most memorable Thanksgivings we ever had. And I tell you that because one of those guys who came to that Thanksgiving ended up giving his life to Jesus Christ to follow him as a Lord and Savior. 
And he is living for the Lord. I talked to him this past week. He is living for the Lord back in his home country as best as he can right now. You don't know how the Lord's gonna use you in welcoming people right here, right now where God has placed you. What school are you at? Lakeland. How can God use you to start ministering to people at Lakeland who are different than you? Hanging out with a person. Yes, especially ones who are maybe by themselves, who are alone. There are so many ways to get involved right now. Students, this is what I'm asking of you. I'm not asking for you to commit right now to be a missionary in Lima, Peru tomorrow. I'm not asking that. Shh, right here, I'm done. Last thing. I'm asking you this. Will you start praying through and asking the Lord to give you your Joplin, Missouri moment where your worldview about the nations, about God's mission and God's purpose for your life, would you start praying that God would change your eyes to see the world the way that he has through the lens of what the Bible says about the nations? It is so clear from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, God has always been about taking the good news of the gospel to the nations and he wants to use you. The greatest joys you'll have is when you start getting involved and being obedient to what God has called you to be a part of.